worshipers arise. Let the worshipers arise. Let the sons and the daughters, all the sons and daughters sing. We lift our praise. I'm surrendering. I'm surrendering. surrendering our all to you today, oh God. We're asking you to take complete and total control of these next moments that we have, and even greater than that, complete and total control, God, of our lives today. We bless you for it. And the church said amen. While you're standing, reach for your Bibles. If you're not standing, I'm going to invite you to stand with me, please, today, and reach for your Bibles if you don't mind. <clears throat> Thank you, Pastor Tony, and this worship team today, and these musicians, these singers for leading us into the presence of the Lord. In just a moment, we're going to go to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Uh, but if you were not here uh, last week, I announced to you that today we are beginning something called I Pray, which is 21 days of prayer and fasting. And uh, over the course of these next 21 days, we're going to seek the heart of the Father. We're going to go after God. And I'm inviting you to take these next three weeks, either all of them, part of them, a portion of those days, and join us in prayer and fasting. Uh, as I preach today, I'm going to preach today in the next couple of weeks on prayer and on fasting. I'm going to give you some how-tos. I'm going to give you some information about fasting. And you say, well, Pastor, I'm, I'm really not feeling led to participate. It's not something I want to do. That's fine. You're going to have to, you're here, so you're going to have to hear it anyways today. And um, I, I don't want this just to be, I don't want this just to be informational. I, I want this to be transformational, transforming these next several weeks. I don't want this just to be information today. I want there to be impartation to you today about why we fast and why we pray and why we're doing the things that we're doing. Uh, so as we, as we press through these next several weeks, I believe that God is going to do some, some amazing things. Let me tell you this, and I'm going to read a scripture, and then I'll let you sit down. Uh, there's a fasting resource table that's out in the lobby that was out there last week, and out there there are several things that you can take advantage of. Uh, there is a fasting fact sheet gives you some of the whys and the how-tos of fasting. There's also a Daniel fast menu. If you choose to do the Daniel fast and eliminate some things from your diet, there's some things out there that will help you on, on that particular fast. There's also a Bible reading guide, and here's what I'm asking you to do. Many of you picked it up last week. You can read the entire Bible through in a year if you spend about 15 minutes 
in the scripture. If you didn't pick it up last week, it's okay. You can pick it up this week and you can start and you've, you're only about 10 days behind and you, you seriously can catch up. So I want you to, to grab one of those Bible reading guides and while you're fasting these 21 days, couple it with Bible reading, couple it with prayer and uh, don't quit when the fast is over. Listen, you should have the word of God in your heart every single day. Uh, so I want you to take advantage of that also Inside your bulletin, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a fasting sheet that looks like this. It's going to give you an opportunity to write down your reason for fasting, what you're going to fast, your begin date, your end date. You can sign it. You can date it. I don't want it. You need to take this home with you and let it be a reminder to you and set it in a place you can see it for these next three weeks so you know what you've committed to God and what you're going to do. Also, uh, there is uh, a prayer guide in your bulletin. There's some on the table in the back, and those fasting sheets are on the back as well. Tomorrow, I told you last week that every Monday during these 21 days, we're going to have something called Great Days of Prayer. So every Monday, we're going to have a great day of prayer. We're going to focus on something specific. In your bulletin, there is a prayer guide that's going to help us tomorrow pray for lost family members. Do I have anybody in here who has family members that need Jesus Christ to save their souls? Could I see your hand today? Every hand in this building is up all over this place. So here's what I'm asking tomorrow, if you can do this, to join me at 6 o'clock tomorrow night in your home, anywhere you want to. Use this guide to help you pray for your lost family members. So here's what's going to happen. Tomorrow night at 6 o'clock, there's going to be people from this church in their homes all across this county and community, and we're going to be joining together and praying for God to save our lost family members. So I want you to join me tomorrow. Great day of prayer. It's going to be a wonderful time. Pastor, why do you do that? Because that way I know that it gives as many people as possible the opportunity to join it. You don't have to leave your home. Listen, you can put your PJs on and you can go down in your basement. You can get as comfortable as you want and join together at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. Now, if 6 doesn't work for you, pick a time that does. And we're going to pray for God to save lost people. It is the will of the Father that every man and woman should hear the good news of Jesus Christ and come to salvation. That's the heartbeat of God. I want God to save your family members this year. Amen? All right, Matthew chapter 6. Let's go to verse number 16. If you found it, say amen. If you don't have it, you can look off the screen behind me. I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. These words are written in red. This is Jesus speaking. Here's what he says. Moreover, when you fast. Somebody say, when you fast. He didn't say if. He didn't say if it's convenient. He didn't say if you feel like it. Because I have not met one person yet that claps their hands and jumps up and down and goes, ooh, me, 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 I want to fast. Nobody feels like fasting. But he said, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Verse 17, but you, when you fast, somebody say, when you fast. Anoint your head and wash your face, verse 18, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, obviously, we're on a corporate fast beginning today, so it's not private. We all know that there's many of us that are fasting. But what you're fasting doesn't necessarily 
have to be broadcast or told to everyone that if you want to share that fast with some, it's okay to do that. But here's what Jesus is saying here. Don't walk around with a long face. And somebody says, what's wrong with you? Oh, I'm fasting and suffering for Jesus. And my, I'm so hungry and my stomach is burning, but I, I know, I know I'm going to draw closer to God. Pray for me, please. I'm fasting. I'm dying. That's what Jesus is talking about. And when you do things in private, I'm telling you, publicly, God will reward you for the sacrifices that you make. Father, bless the word today. Open our hearts and ears to hear this morning. God, I've prayed this week, and you know my prayer. Don't let this just be information. Let there be an impartation of a life-changing word of truth today, oh God. And may you do something in our hearts and lives, God, that can only be done by you. In Jesus' name, the church said amen. God bless you. Be seated today, please, quickly. Thank you so much for standing. Pastor Tony, thank you for your help. I want to talk today about fasting with purpose. Fasting with purpose. Go to that next slide, please. You have to keep up with me, Mr. Media Man. We, do we have that next slide up fast? No, not that one. Go back. <clears throat> no, we're way off. Pat. We're at the end of the PowerPoint right here. This is the very end. Can you help me back there, please? We'll get into it in just a moment. Here we go. Let me tell you this. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives us a pattern for victory. He gives us a pattern for release, for reward, and for restoration. In Matthew chapter 6, we have the specific direction on how we are supposed to live as a child of God. In Matthew chapter 6, that pattern addresses for us three specific duties that we have as Christian people. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talks about giving, Jesus talks about praying, and Jesus talks about the spiritual discipline of fasting. And he words it in such a way that it is, I believe, something that is expected of Christian people. He says, when you pray. Prayer is not an option in our lives. We need to pray. He then says, when you give. He's talking about finances. He's talking monetarily. And it's not just in Matthew 6, but all through the Scripture, we see the principles of giving. When you pray, when you give. And then Jesus says, and some of us probably wish he would have left this one out. When you fast. That says to me that praying, that giving, and fasting are expectations that Jesus had of people that would follow after him. And not only did Jesus talk about fasting, but Jesus modeled fasting for us. In Matthew chapter 4 and in Luke chapter 4, that's the same occasion, but it's recorded two different times. The Bible says that Jesus was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness, and there he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterward he was hungry. 
And while Jesus was the Son of God and divine in every way, he was also human in ways in the fact that he was hungry. And the Bible says that the angels came and they ministered unto him. So Jesus didn't just talk about fasting. Jesus modeled fasting for us. What is fasting, Pastor? Fasting is a Christian's voluntary abstinence from food. Everybody say food. Boy, that was pretty weak. It's a Christian's voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. And Jesus, the very Son of God, he fasted because he understood that when we renounce the natural, it invokes the supernatural in our lives. I want to say that again. When we renounce the natural, renouncing the natural, the flesh, it invokes the supernatural power of God to work and to operate in our lives. There are some promises that God has for us. There are some blessings that God has for us that can only be released through the power of fasting. Now, here's what I figured out last week, and I'm seeing it again now. Some of you have never heard preaching on fasting. I mean, you've got that look on your face like, what in the world is he? You look like a cow looking at a new gate. Well, I'm going to open the gate of Scripture for you today. And I'm going to teach a little bit, and I'm going to give you some information that I hope becomes revelation to you about why we're taking these next 21 days to consecrate and set ourselves aside to seek God through prayer and the spiritual discipline of fasting. Listen, there are some things that God wants to do in you and through you and for you. It can only come through the power of fasting. That is, the, that is Scripture. I'm going to show you that here in a moment. And if we know that, if we know that there are some things that can only be done through fasting, how much more should fasting become a common practice in the life of the children of God? Let me ask you this question. What is the greatest need that you have in your life at this present moment? Think about that. What is the greatest need you have in your life for yourself or, or for your family? Maybe you need wisdom. Maybe you need direction. Maybe you need healing. Maybe you need deliverance. I'm going to show you in just a few moments that there, are, there were great men and women of the faith in the Scripture that struggled with some of the very same things that we struggle with, and they sought God's face through prayer and fasting at different seasons in their lives, and God came through for them. And if God did it for them, I'm telling you, God can and will do it for us. So let me talk to you about fasting. Let me first tell you about all the wrong reasons for fasting. Number one, we never fast to obtain merit or, or earn favor with God. We, we don't fast to earn God's approval or earn God's favor. Fasting does not give us as inroads to God and make us better than anybody else. We don't fast to obtain merit or earn favor with God. Number two, we don't fast to rid ourselves of sin. Now listen to me. 
Our sin was taken care of on the cross of Calvary by the shed blood of Jesus Christ once and for all. Now, we do fast to help us overcome the struggles of this flesh that cause us to fall into sin. But sin was taken care of by what Jesus Christ did on a cross 2,000 years ago. He did it once. He spilled his blood one time, and he'll never have to do it again. All we need to do is receive the work of the cross. Number three, we do not fast for the purpose of losing weight. Now, there are some benefits, some health benefits to fasting. And I promise if you fast, if you eliminate things from your diet, if you cut some things out, if you do a normal fast, it's just liquids, you are going to lose weight. And, and doctors and, and medical studies have proven that fasting is healthy for us. And it's good for us. But you don't go into a fast saying, oh yeah, it's the first of the year. I'm going to lose some weight because I get to fast. That's not the reason for fasting. And number four, you don't fast for recognition or to be seen by other people. If your motivation for fasting is just to be seen by people then you will only get what people can give you. And the only thing that people will be able to give you is momentary recognition or a congratulatory remark that says, oh, wow, you're really disciplined. Good job. Congratulations. I want a whole lot more than that from my time of fasting and prayer. I don't need anybody's approval. I don't need anybody's attaboys and pats on the back, and we can't believe how much you've sacrificed. I'm not after somebody's recognition or approval. I'm only after one person's approval, and that is God the Father. I want him to be pleased and proud when we discipline ourselves and give ourselves them. So, Pastor, what is the main purpose for fasting? I'm going to give you several in a moment, but here's the, the main purpose for, for fasting. It is passionate pursuit of the heart of God. Nothing more. Now, you can help me preach a little bit. I know I'm teaching some, but you can nod your head, amen, owe me something, say I'm hungry, my stomach's growling, something. Let me know that you're out there. Passionate pursuit of the heart of God. Now, understand, we do not fast to get God to do what we want God to do. But I'm telling you, we fast because we want to go after the heart of God. Fasting says, God, we are after your heart. God, we're pursuing your heart and your will more than anything else in our lives. The main reason, the bottom line for fasting is that, God, I want all of you and more of you in my life. Passionate pursuit of the heart of God. And I don't know about you, but I'm hungry for God. I want more of God. I don't want just the ordinary. And there's some folks out there, you, you're, you are, you're connecting here. You understand. There's some of you out there going, oh, I wish he'd hurry up and get done so I can go have lunch. But there are some people in here this morning, you're tired of the run-of-the-mill Christian walk. You're tired of the ordinary. You're tired of the mundane. And you want God to do something. And you've made up your mind that these next 21 days, you are going to pursue the heart of God. I'm telling you, God is going to honor your efforts and God is going to reveal himself to you in ways you've never seen him before. I want the heart of the Father. 
Now, real quickly, I'm going to run through these real fast. And by the end of this message today, I hope that you're going to take a few moments, either before you leave or when you get home, for this, this form that I've printed for you. Because, listen, I've already wrote it down in my journal. My, how I'm going to fast, what I'm going to fast, and my reason for fasting. And for the next 21 days, I will revisit that every single day just as a reminder to me that this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. All right, number one, here's your, I'm going to go through several different types of fasts, and here's the purpose for this fast. Number one, let me talk to you about the disciples' fast. The disciples' fast is a fast that frees us from addictions to sin or besetting sins. In Hebrews chapter 12, the writer says this, seeing that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Do you realize that every single one of us in here, and there are some that struggle more than others, we have some sins, some things of our flesh that hold us back from all that God has for our lives. Now, I see some halos sparkling, and some of you are polishing them, so I'm not talking, I'm not talking to the perfect people in here this morning. If, you're, if, you brought, if you got your halo on, I'm not talking to you, but I'm talking to the rest of us who sometimes let the flesh get the best of us. And you know what besetting sins are? Those are those things that hinder us and hold us back and keep us from fulfilling the purpose and the plan that God has for our lives. Let me talk to you about these besetting sins. It, it, I call it the disciples' fast because in Mark chapter 14, I'm sorry, Mark chapter it should be chapter, uh, yeah, chapter 14. I've got it right. I think if I don't, oh, well, you can check me on it later. Mark chapter 14, that there was this little boy that was demon-possessed, and the Bible tells us that, that the disciples were unable to cast this devil out of this little boy. And Jesus shows up, and, and the boy is foaming at the mouth, and he's twisting and turning on the ground and throwing himself into the fire, and Jesus, with just one word, he sets the boy free. And later on, when he gathers together with his disciples, the disciples said, Lord, that the Father brought the boy to us, and we couldn't cast the devil out. Tell us, why is that? And here's what Jesus said. He said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Now, listen, I'm not insinuating or indicating anybody in here has a demon in them. But here's what I'm telling you. There are some strongholds in our lives that can only be broken through the power of fasting. You can't shout them out. You can't speak in tongues enough to get them out. You can't lay in the floor enough in a Pentecostal service. There are some strongholds, some things in our flesh that can only be driven out through the power of fasting. And I want you to know that fasting will break some habits and some addictions that are keeping you back from the things of God. Fasting will break the demonic oppression and stronghold of pornography and addiction and fornication and sexual sin, but there's some things they don't go out except 
by fasting. So if you are bound by some things in your life and you find yourself struggling with the same old thing over and over again, I challenge you to target these next 21 days on prayer, uh, no, 21 days during this fasting and prayer, and I believe that God will break some strongholds in your lives. Only through fasting and prayer can some things be broken. Number two, here we go. I call this next one the Ezra fast. Real fast. When the Israelites were taken into Babylonian captivity for 70 years, the nation divided. It's northern kingdom, southern kingdom. I don't have time to go through all the history. But there were three different pilgrimages that happened when they were allowed to to go back to their homeland, to, to rebuild the temple, to restore worship, Brother Turpin. And one of the, one of the men that led that, that, that one of those journeys back was a man by the name of Ezra. And his assignment was to rebuild the temple, to restore worship. And the Bible tells us that on his way back, King Artaxerxes, who gave him permission to go back to, to, to their homeland, gave him silver and gave him gold. If you read through Ezra chapter 7 and chapter 8, you're going to see that as they were on their way back with silver and gold, that there were thieves along the way who wanted to take from them their financial blessing. And the Ezra fast is a fast that releases the blessing of God upon our finances. And watch here in Ezra chapter 8, verse number 21. Then I proclaimed a fast. There it is. There at the river of Havah that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him, watch this, the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. And maybe you feel like you've been tithing and you've been giving and doing all that you're supposed to do, but you feel like thieves keep coming to steal the financial blessing that God has for your life. When Ezra faced an uncertain financial future, you know what he did? He fasted and he prayed and God answered his prayer. Maybe on this 21-day fast, you need God to break through in your finances. And I want to tell you that if you're honest Honoring God's word with your tithing and with your giving. If you'll fast and you'll target that, I believe that God will break through in your finances and bless what you've been sowing and what you've been giving. Here's the third type of fast. This is called the Elijah fast. And this is a fast that frees us from negative emotional feelings, habits, and heaviness. You remember the story of Elijah on the top of Mount Carmel, the showdown that he has with the 850 prophets of Baal, wicked king named Ahab, and his domineering, controlling, evil wife named Jezebel. Because God wants to prove through Elijah there's only one God, one Jehovah, and that's him. That's the Lord. And on the top of Mount Carmel, there's this great victory that Elijah has, and the fire of God falls, and there's this, this, this climactic moment in Elijah's life and ministry that God shows up and proves himself to be the one true God. But immediately after that, when Jezebel gets wind of what happened, the Bible tells us in 1 Kings 19, she threatened to take his life and kill him. Now, you would think... That a man who had just experienced this, this moment, this spiritual high in his life, would have had no problem with that threat, Pastor Weaver. 
He would have just looked at her and said, bring it on, girl. Hit me with your best shot. But he didn't say that. Listen, he became an emotional wreck. He became suicidal. Read the story. He became depressed. He became discouraged. Read the story. He said, God, it's enough now. Just go ahead and kill me and take my life. You better be careful what you ask God for. And I mean, he is just, he's, he's, he's a wreck, depressed, discouraged, suicidal. But if you read 1 Kings 19 and 8, the Bible says, so he arose and he ate and drank and he went on the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights. Study the scripture out, see what the theologians, the commentators say. For 40 days, Elijah fasted and as a result of that, God broke that stronghold in his life. God broke those negative emotional feelings. God broke that heaviness and God broke brought breakthrough into his life. And there are some of you in here, you struggle with depression. And you struggle with discouragement. And you struggle with these feelings of heaviness all the time. And you're not good enough. And you, you just wish that God would go ahead and take you on because life is such a struggle. I'm telling you, through fasting and prayer these next 21 days, God can break some of that off of your life and give you a peace that you have never, ever known before in your entire life. The Bible talks to us in Isaiah 61 about the, about the oil of joy for mourning, beauty for ashes, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Well, why would the Bible talk about putting on a garment of praise in place of the spirit of heaviness? Here's why. Because we wear depression and we wear discouragement like a garment. We put it on us, and that depression, that discouragement, it shrouds us in darkness. It shrouds us in despair. It, listen, it, 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 it weighs us down. It defeats us at times. It, 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 it's heavy upon us. It keeps us from lifting our head in worship and, and lifting our hands in praise. And, and heaviness will drain the life out of you. It will drain the worship out of you. But you know what will push that back? Praise will push back that heavy spirit. And fasting will push back that heavy spirit. And I want to challenge you that if you're struggling with some emotional heaviness and discouragement and depression and worry and fear and anxiety. Target that these next 21 days, and I believe through fasting, God can give you breakthrough and bring peace to your life. Somebody say amen. Here's the next one. Uh, go, uh, go, the, go to the uh, next one. Next one. There you go, right there. Let me talk about the Paul fast for a moment. The Paul fast is a fast that helps us to make a major life decision. If you read the story in Acts chapter 9, Paul is headed in the wrong direction. And some of you are going, Pastor, I'm not, I'm not sure I've ever seen this stuff in Scripture before. I, we, just, you know, we just always thought we fasted just to fast and there was no read. There's purpose by, behind what we do. And Paul was persecuting Christians. And Paul was killing Christians. And Paul's on his way down to a place called Damascus, and he's carrying these, these letters that gives him permission to kill more Christians. And while he's on that Damascus road, there is this experience, this bright light that, that comes down from heaven. It knocks Paul off of his animal, the Bible says. And there's this voice that says, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? The Bible said that Paul was struck with blindness 
for three days. And he goes down to a street called Straight, the Bible says. And there he sits in complete blindness and darkness. Now watch this verse right here. And he was three days without sight. Watch. And he neither ate nor drank. What's he doing? He's fasting. And while Paul is down there at a street called Straight, there's a man named Ananias that God is talking to. And he says, I want you to get down to that street called Straight because there's a man there named Saul, and God's going to change his name. And I want you to help him find the right way and the right road to get on. Ananias says, God, I, you know he's a persecutor of you. I, I can't do that. God says, Ananias, I need you to go. And when he gets there, Ananias prays for him. Those scales fall off of his eyes. And all of a sudden, Ananias says to Paul, this is what the Lord is saying to you. And Paul has this revelation and God begins to speak to him and God begins to talk to him. And all of a sudden, Paul, who was headed the wrong way in the wrong direction, those three days without eating, without drinking, God showed up, God spoke to him, and God gave him clarity in his life life. Well, I feel the Holy Spirit preaching about fasting today. And maybe, listen, you're facing a major life decision. You need direction. You need clarity. You need an answer from God. You need to know what door to walk through, what to do, when to do it. I'm telling you, these next 21 days, or even if you just want to participate in part, go three days, seven days, 10 days. I believe if you'll target that, God will speak to you. God will be clear to you and God will direct and order your steps. Here's the next fast. I call this the John the Baptist fast. John the Baptist was an interesting character. But this is the fast that I believe gives you greater testimony and influence in the lives of people. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 9 that John and his disciples fasted often. And you have to understand that John was on this very strict Nazarite diet because of the vow that his mother and father had taken. So there was many things that John the Baptist could not eat because of the vow that he had taken. But John the Baptist, his diet consisted mostly of locusts and wild honey. Now, some of you, that sounds really bad. Talk to me three weeks from now. You might be salivating, wanting some locusts and wild honey. Some of you that may be participating, maybe you're doing, uh, giving up sweets, uh, you know, no, no, no ice cream, no donuts, no Little Debbies, no nothing, no pie. You might want some honey on a stick in about three weeks. That may sound good to you. Now, here's the point. I want you to see this. If you study Scripture out, John and his disciples, the Bible said they fasted often. That Nazarite diet that he was on eliminated several things from his diet, and he ate mostly locusts and wild honey. Now, I just, if you read it, you read Matthew 9, it tells us descriptively that John and his disciples fasted. And you know what? John had great influence upon people. Now, here's what you may not have known. As great as he was and as wonderful ministries he had and people that, that came to the Lord because he was the forerunner, his ministry only lasted one year. His public ministry lasted one year year. And I'm telling you, in one year, that man had more influence on people. And here's why I believe that happened. Because he had dedicated himself and disciplined himself to fast and go after God. 
And maybe you say, Pastor, I, I want more influence upon people. I, I want more influence for Christ upon people. I want to have greater influence upon people at my work and greater influence upon my family because I want them to come to Christ. These next 21 days, why don't you target that and say, God, I want greater influence so I can tell people about you. And I believe that because of his fasting and because of his, his discipline of fasting, God gave him greater influence than anybody else in his generation, ain't be. And here's what John 1, 6 and 7 says. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came, this man came for a witness to be witness of the light that through him all might believe. That's, that's influence. That through him, that all through him, that through who? That all through John the Baptist they might believe that Jesus is the Christ. And thus he would stand in the Jordan River and he would preach a baptism of repentance. That I indeed baptize you with water under repentance for there is one coming after me. I'm not even worthy to bend down and tie up his sandal strap. He, when he comes, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John the Baptist was the forerunner to Christ. And because of his fasting, I believe God gave him great influence upon the lives of people. Here's the next one. And I'm going to close with this. <clears throat> this is the Esther fast. And this is a fast for protection for danger, from danger. You realize that we live in a very chaotic, crazy world. You realize that there is disaster and there is destruction and there is death that is happening all around us. And I believe that through fasting and prayer, I believe that we, we can fast and pray and that God will put a hedge of protection around us and around our families and keep us from danger. That doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to happen. That doesn't mean that, that tragedies will be eliminated. But I just believe that through fasting and prayer, I believe that, and I'm going to say this, some of you are going to probably get, may make it a little uneasy. I believe through fasting and prayer, we don't have to die untimely deaths. Because I dwell in the secret place of the Most High God. And he gives his angels charge over me to keep me in all of my ways. And in their hands they bear me up lest I dash my foot against the stone. You read the end of Psalm 91. It says, with long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. I pray it every morning over my family. I plead the blood of Jesus every single morning over me and my wife and my children. You know, I heard, I heard Perry Stone pray this one time, that he pleads the blood that no tragedies no debilitating accidents, no disease, no sickness, no plague would come near their dwelling. I, listen, I believe that we can fast and pray, and God will protect us and keep us. Pastor Tony, come to the keys, please. I'm going to close. Now, Pastor, what, what, why do you call this the Esther fast? You know the story. Esther was the Jewish girl, the niece of Mordecai, and ended up in a place of great influence when she became the queen. Through this series of events where the king had pretty much gotten rid of the queen, gotten rid of his wife, kicked her out of the palace because she wouldn't do what he asked her to do. And this long process goes on and Esther has chosen to be the queen. This young girl chosen to be the queen. Young woman chosen to be the queen. Through the process of events, she finds out that there's a wicked man named Haman 
who wants to completely annihilate and exterminate and get rid of every Jew around. And watch what the Bible says. When she found out, well, actually Mordecai, her uncle, found out about it first and goes desperate and says, listen, you're going to have to go to the king for us. If you don't, we're all going to die. Go gather, Esther said, go gather all the Jews who are present in Susan and watch and fast for me. Everybody say fast. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. You know what happened as a result of those Everybody say three. Those three days of fasting, God gave her favor with the king and the entire Jewish race was spared death. That would not have happened. I don't believe had some people not been serious, Brother Beckner, about fasting before God. She fasted and prayed and the wicked plan of Haman was uncovered. And God spared the Jewish race. I'm telling you, on this fast, these 21 days, or however many days you choose to participate, maybe you want to target protection for your family, protection for your children as you send them out to school, protection for you. Maybe you've got some loved ones over on foreign soil fighting in our military. Maybe you want to target them on this fast and pray for God to protect them and keep them and watch over them. Pastor, she just fasted three days. That's the point. Whatever you choose to do, if it's a sacrifice to you, it's a sacrifice to God, and God will honor it. Here's what I want to close with. I know this has been different. I know it's been different than probably anything you've ever been accustomed to. But sometimes different is good. I cannot ask you to participate in something and not give you the biblical reasons for it. Now listen, I gave you a bunch of purposes that were for you. And listen, you may, you may have more than one purpose Listen, you may want to target your unsafe family. You should target your unsafe family. You may want to target a son or a daughter that's struggling with an addiction. You should do that. So you can list some purposes for fasting for yourself, but also for others. And I believe that as we honor God's Word, God's going to honor His Word to us. I'm going to give you some real fast. I call these the Q&As of fasting. Number one, if I'm on a partial fast... What things are not allowed? Many of you are probably going to participate in the Daniel part of the fast. <clears throat> Some folks, you're just going to eliminate certain foods from your diet. So what's, what's allowed, Pastor? What, what's not allowed? Fasting is a private, everybody say private. It's a private discipline. It is not something that is meant to be unattainable. If you've never fasted a day in your life, I would not recommend saying, I'm going to go 21 days, just water. If God tells you to, go for it. If you've never fasted a day in your life, that's going to be very difficult. It's not meant to be something that's unattainable. Decide what's feasible for you to do and make the effort. Who cares what anybody else is doing? Do what works for you. Number two, why do I have headaches and feel tired when I fast? And by the way, if you're fasting, if you're eliminating caffeine or sweets, you're doing just liquids, I just want to give you really good news. Your head's going to hurt for a while. It's going to feel like somebody has a hammer and there's beating you in the temple. Don't you feel better about that now? Some of you may already have one now. <clears throat> Tests have proven the average American consumes and assimilates four pounds 
of chemical preservative coloring, stabilizers, flavorings, and other additives each year. We put four pounds of poison in our body every year. That's why your head hurts. You know why that's happening? <clears throat> because your body's releasing the toxins it's consumed over the, over the last 12 months. After three days, your digestive system shuts down, headaches go away. If you can make it through the first three days, I don't want to say it's smooth sailing. It becomes a little bit easier to function when you don't feel like somebody's beating you in the head with a hammer. Number three, what can children fast? The best way to show your children the power of fasting is to lead by example. If they want to participate, let them. Now, I'm going to tell you in my house, my kids, they, they force fast part of the 21 days. <clears throat> Not food, mind you, Lord. God forbid they miss a meal. <clears throat> but there's some media fasting that we do. There's some soft drinks that, that we eliminate. I, I was getting fussed on the way to church this morning by a couple in the back seat. But we, we're, we're going to get some things up as a family. What if I have a medical condition? Consult your doctor before you start any kind of fast. If your health condition prohibits you from fasting food, you can try fasting something else. It'll be a sacrifice. Now, if your health condition doesn't prohibit it, your, your flesh is going to fight against it, by the way. But if you don't have a health issue, don't tell me, I'm just going to fast TV and media. That's not biblical fasting. I know. Biblical fasting is the abstinence, voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. Now, if you have a health condition and can't fast food, by all means, do not do that, but check with your doctor. But you know what would be a good thing to do while you're, whatever you're choosing to fast? Put media in with it. Put Facebook. If you want to get a hold of me on Facebook, you can't the next 21 days. I'm currently deactivated. You won't find me anywhere. TV, cell phones, games that you play, you can couple media with that. Number five, what if I start and can't finish out my fast if I fasted for nothing? Seeking God through prayer and fasting is never a waste of time. When you make the effort, God takes notice. <clears throat> and I've known some people that have started and said, Pastor, I just can't do this anymore. And they, they Listen, if you start and can't finish, don't kill yourself over it. Do the best you can, but that's why I say set a goal that's attainable. Number six, if I forgot and ate something, and that listen, that can happen. I remember one year I was doing a... a, a, a I was eliminating some foods from my diet. It was no sweets and no snacks and, you know, nothing between meals one year. That was part of my fast. And I'm just, I was somewhere at a birthday party, Pastor Weaver. There was a bowl of chips. I got about halfway to it. I went, oh, God, what have I done? Did you spit it out, Pastor? Well, no, it's too late then. I went ahead and finished it off. And you, listen, you know why? Because it, we're, we're, we're people of creature of habits. And if you've ever noticed, we build our whole schedule for a day around when we're going to eat. You ever noticed that? It's become the major part of our day. We schedule our life around what time we're going to eat. So if you forget and eat something, it's okay. <clears throat> Fasting is not a sprint. Fasting is a marathon. It's one day at a time. Don't give up. If you fall down, get up, keep trying. Number seven, do I continue exercising while fasting? Moderate exercise is good, but it's best to always consult a doctor when fasting and exercise. Number eight, what if I have a manual labor job? If you have a job that requires you to expend a lot of physical energy, you may want to consider a partial fast and eliminate some foods from your diet. It allows you to receive enough nutrition to perform your job. Why do we fast the first of the year, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. I'm, I'm about done. We want to set the course for the rest of the year. Just as you begin your day with prayer, and it covers anything and everything that happens throughout that day, the same is true when you begin the year with a fast. 
You set the course for the entire year by what you do with those first few days of each new year. Listen, we're, going, we're fasting the first of the year. Is this, Pastor, we're just going to fast to take care of 21 days. We're going to fast, no, to cover the whole year of 2016. Listen, you begin your day with prayer. You know, we begin our day with prayer. I hope you do. It, it, covers, it covers the rest of the day. We're also going to give at the end of this fast. I told you last week, we're going to give a first things first offering on January the 31st. Above and beyond our normal tithe and offering. Why are we going to do that, Pastor? Because we're going to we're, we're going to do that because we want to set the tone for our finances for the rest of 2016. I'm going to ask you to bring an offering above and beyond what you normally give, and say I'm giving this in faith to set the tone for my finances. I want God to bless them the entire year of 2016. Number ten. Why do we fast 21 days? It's a, it's a fast that's found in the Book of Daniel, but you don't have to go all 21 days. If you want to go three, seven, ten, two, whatever you choose to do. Join us and participate in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Number 11, and I'm closing. How do I get the most out of fasting? Let me tell you how you don't get the most out of fasting. It's by sitting in front of the TV. Because I'm telling you, every food commercial known to man. Am I telling the truth? Every food commercial known to man will come on TV. You see, you don't notice them when you're not fasting. But when you're fasting... I remember one year Pizza Hut had this, that's when they started those new stuffed crust pizza, and I was doing, <clears throat> doing just liquids at the time. That thing came on. My God, I thought I would get in the fetal position and just cry. I couldn't hardly take it. <clears throat> I mean, the cheese is stretching, the steam is coming off, and I, I said, why, God? Why hast thou forsaken me? And the pepperoni and the sausage. Every, I'm telling you, every commercial, food commercial, known to man will come on. To, and you will notice it. And you, I promise to God as my witness. I've sat there at times, watched those things, and been salivating. <laughs> if you sit in front of the TV, you're not going to get a whole lot out of fasting. Now, I'm not saying you have, to, you have to pray the whole time. But time that you would normally give to eating, spending prayer, and reading the Word. Now, I'm just telling you my practice. When it come, becomes dinner time, there are several of those nights that I'll just slip away. And I'll go to my quiet place, and I'm, I'll read, and I'll spend some time praying. There's other times that even though I may not be eating, I will sit at the table with my family because I believe that's important. Wasn't that hard, Pastor? It's awful. And the kids go, aren't you hungry? <laughs> no, I'm not the least. That doesn't bother me at all. <clears throat> but you want to get the most out of it? Time in prayer, time in the Word. Find you a book on fasting. If you want some resources, ask me. I'll tell you, there's some great books Jensen Franklin writes on fasting. And read it during dinner time or during lunchtime. Instead of you going to the, wherever you're going to go to eat, take that fasting book, take your Bible, take your 30 minutes and read and pray. Now here's the thing, and I, I'm, I'm closing again. Number two, is it going to be difficult? Yes, it is. Some of you came here today, and you maybe had no intention of participating. All of a sudden, you're, you're feeling the Holy Spirit just kind of touch your heart, and you're saying, I think I want to participate, Pastor. <clears throat> it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. There's going to be days you want to quit. I mean, today was day one for me. And this morning, I thought, oh, gosh, like 20 days to go. And, it's, 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 and it's, it's, there's going to be times that you, you, you feel like God's a million miles away. There's going to be days that you feel like that. And you're going to go, why am I doing this for? What's the purpose? What's the point? Nothing's happening, God. Listen, I believe in fasting. There's something called afterward seasons. 
It shall come to pass afterwards, says the Lord, I'll pour my spirit out. Because listen, 21 days, you may not see anything for 21 days. But I'm telling you, if you give God the first few days of this new year, there are afterward seasons that will happen all year long. And in February and March and April and May, things you fasted and prayed for, and you said, God, I didn't see it happen day one or day 21, so I guess it was all for nothing. I promise you, it has not been in vain. And all year long, I, I guarantee you, whatever you, and whatever you target on fasting, whatever you're targeting, whatever your purpose is, I'm telling you, God's going to do it. God's going to show up. God's going to work. It may not be in that 21-day period, but afterward, all year long, I believe that you'll see the hand of God evident in your life as a result of the sacrifice you make. I want you to stand with me, please, this morning, if you don't mind.